The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining me at my little corner of the Internet here. Happy blood flower, full supermoon lunar eclipse in Sagittarius. <laughs> I hope that didn't pass you by. I wanted to get up really early in the morning. I should have been able to see it around 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning here West Coast. And, of course, I slept through it. So I had to look online for some incredible pictures of this moon. But I have to tell you, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the energy, and uh, hopefully that's going to be propelling me to some new and amazing things, and hopefully it will be working for you, this full moon energy. And you know, speaking of energy and time flying past, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've, I've been feeling like everything's on fast forward, you know? You just kind of hit the button, hit the remote. And this past COVID year for me has been a blur. And I realized that I'm very lucky that I've been able to, well, still keep a job and then be able to focus on work, you know, but I'm also trying to build a new business. And generally, I feel like there's not enough hours in the day. And I feel that all that focus on work has been really unbalanced you know, because I haven't been able to see family and friends. And I always try to keep that connection. But I feel that it's slipping by. You know, my nephew seems to grow overnight. <laughs> like, I'm, I feel like I'm losing that connection. Too much computer time. It's crazy. I'm sure a lot of you out there listening now can relate to this. I mean, really, thank, thank God I have this show because I know it's Wednesday. So I'm really happy to welcome my guest today because we're going to talk about all of this, all of these feelings how we can process it and how we can really bring some more calm, peace and more meaningful feeling into our life. So when the book, The Art of Stopping came on my desk by David Koontz, thank you, Eileen, if you're listening, I was really happy to see this. I thought, oh, okay, this, this is what I need. This is what I need to hear and read during this time, you know, when the world seems to have stopped, but I've kept going. So I'm excited to get into this book today and share it with you. David Kuntz is a former Catholic priest. He spent the past 20 years in the practice of psychotherapy and over two decades teaching courses on managing stress and emotional health. And he has written seven books as well. You can find out more about him online at his website, davidkundtz.com. So I'm really interested to speak with him today and, and talk about these energies and how we can stop so I'm really happy to welcome him. He joins me from Berkeley today. Thanks for being on the show, David. Diane, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Well, I'm really glad that we could talk about this today. This book has definitely resonated with me because I feel that I can never stop. You know, it's it's like a compulsion. I feel that I just have to I have to keep going. I mean, I even named this show when I was trying to figure out a name to call the program instead of just the Diane Ray show. And I, I put be present in front of it because I always want to be reminded that I want to be more present in life. And I just don't want to be living for the pursuit of something all the time. I want to be happy where I'm at in this moment. Like right now I'm in this moment talking to you and I want to be awake and aware of that. But sometimes it's a struggle, you know, to, to be in that space and I'm sure you understand because you wrote the book. <laughs> so yeah, this, you your, know how your, that your, feels. Um, declaration there and your presenting of what's going on in your life is is so germane to the topic of stopping. It's it's amazing. It's exactly it's exactly what the book is about: helping people to be still long enough to know exactly what they want and who they are. So great! I'm glad we're talking about it too. Yeah, it's really important. And I'm working my way through the book and I've been incorporating some of the practices and just really great things that you can incorporate into your life to help you to stop. But I was I was curious if you could share your personal story of stopping because I, I found that really interesting. 
that you share mm. in the book because you you had been kind of chugging along, you know, you're doing your thing, and then there there was a period where you had to stop. Exactly. Yeah, I was very very much like you describe yourself <clears throat> as a very busy clergyman and going along fine. Everything was doing good. I found some real meaning in my life and my work until finally I didn't. The bottom sort of dropped out very very quickly, and I I really didn't know what to do. Um, so what I did, and it wasn't because of any uh, intentionality that I did this. I did it because I didn't know what else to do. So what I did is I went away. I, I got permission from my, my understanding bishop, and uh, I went away for a month. And I, I sat on the north coast of California and looked at the ocean, basically doing very little else for a month. And I did it because, as I said, I didn't know what else to do. Really, in a way, it was a runner. It was a, it was an escape. I just wanted to get out of there. I had to do something. And this is the something that I did. Later, as I considered what I did and what was going on for me during that month, that's when I realized that I was stopping. And stopping is, by definition, doing nothing for a, as much as possible as it is to do nothing, doing nothing for a moment or a month, a long time or a short time, in order to wake up, remember who you are and what you want. My conviction is that if we're still enough, long enough, we will be able to access the inner wisdom and knowledge and wise voice with which we were born, that is in each and every one of us, but that we don't hear because we're so distracted and we're so running. And that voice to be heard needs stillness. It needs quiet. It needs solitude. It needs a way to have access to you. So that's what stopping is all about, being still, doing nothing as much as possible so that you know who you are, what you want, and where you want to go. That's the definition. And that's what happened to me when I went away for that month. I finally came back to my life. And after another year of discernment, I left ministry and went back to school and became a psychotherapist. So I'm not saying that wasn't without challenges and difficulties and, and problems, but I don't think it would have been as smooth as as it would have, I don't think it would have been as smooth had I not stopped, had I not been still for that month. Right. And you listened to that still small voice like you were describing that was kind of tapping you on the shoulder. Now, right. your experience that you just shared would be considered a grinding halt, right? And, Correct. and we'll unpack that a little bit more. <laughs> but sure. that was what okay. you I, uh... I divide stopping into three ways of doing it, and they're based on the amount of time you do it. Um, Still points, stopovers, and grinding halts. Begin with still points. I always encourage people to, if you want to put stopping in your life, begin with still points. What is a still point? A still point is stopping whatever you're doing, turn your energy in, and be still. So simple. You can add to that if you want. You can add a prayer. You can add a thought. You can add a, uh, an affirmation. You can think of someone you love. You can think of a place that you love. That's all fine. But all you need to do is to be still. Stop what you're doing. Turn your energy in. Close your eyes if you can. Take a few deep breaths. And then go back to your life. I guarantee you that if you put 10, 20, 30, 50 of those brief moments, even a few seconds into your day, you will come to the end of your day more relaxed and more who you are and more integrated. That's what's well, stopping I love is. that. And I've been, I've been integrating that myself. Um, well, actually, yesterday, when I was reading the book, I went to my favorite park here down the street in San Diego. And I was mm -hmm. just laying there kind of looking up in the trees. And I'm thinking, you know, okay, this is a still point. And I'm I'm going to be aware of it and embrace it, you know, as I was reading the book. And also you put a name to something that I've been trying to do every morning, right when I wake up between, you know, if it's like maybe 536, sometimes 6 to 630, mm -hmm. I, I give myself that half hour 
when it's completely quiet because yes. I live in a kind of bustling neighborhood that there's a lot of people and, you know, lawnmower guys and leaf blows and that kind of thing. So right, the right. noise will start pretty quickly. And so I, I always value that, that little moment, you know, that moment in the morning before everything starts. And even this morning, my husband started talking and I'm like, just be quiet. <laughs> you know, just Perfect just for this little moment of time. Point. Thank you. Yeah. And the still <laughs> point can be a few seconds or, or an hour or just a relatively short period of time. I often like to encourage people, if possible, go to the bathroom, go into a bathroom and if possible, lock the door, look in the mirror, close your eyes, put a little cool water on your wrists, take a few deep breaths and then return to life. Do that many times, as many times as you possibly can during the day. That's That will incorporate stopping into your life. Then my conviction is that will, that will feel so good to you that you'll want to do a stopover. And a stopover is, okay, a longer time, a whole day, two days, three days, uh, a longer time, a week. Sometimes the you might want to go on a retreat or go and... Um, be still like I did on the North Coast or wherever. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, the, the still points will feel so good to you that you'll want to do it longer. That's my conviction. Well, I think that's true because I was thinking how how wonderful it was to just like lay there, like looking up through the trees in the park and think, oh, this is great. <laughs> I wish I, I could that. That's spend a perfect more time. example of a still point. Yeah, thank you. It's wonderful. And you do say in the book that stopovers are the most challenging and then you might get pushback from people. Well, if I stop, you know, I can't stop working. I'll be homeless. You know, if, if I stop and do this for a day right. or two, then, you know, the, the world will come crashing down because I control the universe, as you know. And if I stop, <laughs> everything's going to go to hell. You know, that's what people <laughs> that's what people think. So and, and you you challenge us in the book that this might be the most challenging one, the stopover. It is. It is. People will, you know, we live in a culture that does not encourage stopping. It encourages its opposite. Keep going. Keep your head down. Plow ahead. Do everything you can. Multitask. Uh, multitasking to me is disastrous. Well, maybe one because I don't do it very well, but uh, uh that's what the world tells us to do, as many things as you possibly can do. And if you have to do them all at once, then do them all at once. Stopping is countercultural. It goes against everything the culture encourages in us. So that's, that's where, you know, conviction and successful experience uh, needs to come in. And the more successful you are at this, those still points, those brief moments – the more successful you'll be at resisting the pushback and do your stopping. Take a morning off. You know, it was the um, the uh, French philosopher Blaise Pascal, I think I mentioned it in the book, who said that mankind's biggest problem is his inability to sit still in a room. So my challenge to anyone listening is imagine yourself sitting in a room. No one's going to bother you. No one will bother you at all. You're, you're there and you're, you're safe and you're quiet and you're sitting in a chair. And I'm asking you to do that for 15 minutes, for a half hour. What does that feel like as you anticipate that? For most of us, I believe, we think, uh, I don't think so. I don't think that's anything that I'm uh, attracted to do. Why, why would I do that? Why not use that time? Why waste quote unquote, waste time doing that when I could be accomplishing so many of the things that I need to accomplish. And my conviction is that if you don't do that, then the things that you will accomplish could very well not be the things you really want to accomplish. You would have missed that. And that's tragic. That's very, very right. tragic to miss what you that need to do. That is so true. Life. Yeah. Well, as you know, as I was reading those points over and, you know, you're so right what you were just saying as far as what we learn as a culture. Like I think back to what what I saw growing up and, mm -hmm. you know, it was 
I wasn't told to stop. <laughs> I was no. told keep, you know, keep working. That's what was modeled to me because my, my parents were hard workers. So, you know, you have that work ethic and that's what you're supposed to do. And it's drudge, right. drudge, drudge. And, you know, that's what you should expect. How horrible, right? I mean, what, a, what a fate. Now, if now one thing if, I want to encourage is the, the, the work ethic as, as, as such is not bad. It's it's good. To, in other words, it's good to work hard. It's good to be uh, ambitious, and it's good to have goals and to do all the things that our American and Western culture encourages us to do. But if we do those things without starting from a stopped, quiet, still position, they're likely to get us into trouble. So it isn't that doing things... Doing things is bad in itself. No, not at all. But if we do things without thinking what we're doing and why we're doing it and who it is that's doing it, that's what gets us into trouble. So always remember in regard to stopping, the purpose of stopping is going. So that when you go, you know where you're going, who you're going with, and why you're going there. You're as clear as you can possibly be about those things. And when you're not, then what's likely to happen is you'll end up taking the values of the culture, the values of the society in which you live, which are, you know, hurry up and burn out, basically, is what it is. And as I said, that can be tragic. And that's true. That that's what we're taught. You know, I just recently read um, an interesting article online about high achievers that advocated mm. doing nothing, you know, like Steve Jobs and Albert Einstein, just a few. And right. it seems that the feeling that kind of comes up for a lot of people is guilt. Like you were saying that, oh, I could do something else. Why should, why should I stop? But then when you look at how much these people were able to achieve and they advocated doing, you know, it, and you know, maybe just try to model what they were doing and throw exactly. away the guilt. Exactly. Yeah. Um, F, uh, Scott Peck, who was a very successful author and physician and psychiatrist, was asked, uh, Scotty, how can you get so much done in a day? And he said, the reason I can get so much done is two hours a day, I do nothing. Okay, we need to learn from those wise people that, uh, Doing nothing is not a waste of time. It will, in fact, make you more efficient. Why? Because you will be operating on the principles that are truly yours, not mine, not somebody else's, but yours. You'll know. It's, it, it, it always reminds me of the executive who's climbing the ladder of success, and she's climbing and climbing and getting rewarded and getting a higher salary and getting higher positions. And she's climbing the ladder until she gets to the top of the ladder and realizes the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. This is the tragedy we want to avoid. This is what stopping can help us avoid and to really make sure we know what wall we're putting our ladder on. <laughs> Right. And, you know, since our culture doesn't really prioritize this and it doesn't make it easy for people. I mean, Mm -hmm. in other countries, you know, Germany gets a month off. I think France, you know, they they insist on on doing that and having a month off. And they seem to be pretty, pretty productive to me. I mean, there should be, you know, when people are thinking about it, couldn't they think of just some inexpensive, you know, you don't have I mean, if you can't afford a 10 day meditation retreat. Um, I mean, there's easy ways that you can start incorporating this, you know, starting with the still points, but maybe do, you know, a retreat at home or a short staycation or something like that. Exactly. Thank you for bringing that up. That's so true. I'd like to emphasize that. No, you don't have to spend a lot of money on this kind of thing. You can do it in the local park. And if you can't afford to to go away, I was very lucky when I did my, my grinding halt because I was given permission to do it and I could do it. Most people can't do that. So what you can do is go to the to the local park or go to the shore, go to any place that's still, that's quiet, the inside of a church maybe, or wh- whatever it is. This is, this is why uh, stopping is something that has to be molded to your image and likeness. How do you do it? That's why I like to say there's no rules. 
You don't have new clothes, buy new clothes for this. You don't have to learn a new method. All you have to do is do nothing as much as possible, as much as you can do nothing. You know, is it really possible to do nothing? Probably not, you know, because the, 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 the chatter in our mind keeps going and we have to be aware of what's going on around us. So it's, but I don't really care about that theoretical question. What I encourage people to do is do nothing as much as it's possible for you to do nothing. One guy in one of my seminars said, well, the, the closest I ever get to doing nothing is playing golf. And I thought to myself, well, that, that wouldn't work for me. <laughs> but if it works for him, <laughs> fine. Okay, that's if that's where he can be still, great. Whatever works for you, whatever helps you find that solitude and that stillness. I was kind of laughing to myself as I was reading the book and thinking of, you know, you talking about uh, a seminar to do nothing, you know, so people come in and go, what are we going to do on the seminar? Nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. How does, how does, how does that work? But I mean, I'm sure there's more that, that you do, you know, when you're doing an actual seminar, but I wanted to ask yes. you too, um, in, in the book, you make the distinct, the distinction that, you know, stopping is not really meditating, I mean, med meditation is more, I mean, would you say an active practice while you're doing it, even though like the goal in, in meditation is to get those l little pieces of stillness and silence? Right. Yeah. You know, um, uh, stopping and meditation are very, very similar in, in insofar as they have the same purpose. Insight, mindfulness, awareness, being awake, being present. That's the purpose of both of them. But the style is different. And, and uh, meditation is more of a formal sitting in which you there's even sometimes rules to follow and, and how to deal with distractions and all that. And it's wonderful. And there's many times in my life that I have uh, practiced meditation. But for most of us in this busy, hurry-up Western world, that kind of meditation doesn't happen. We just don't do it. We want to do it maybe, but we don't. So what I've tried to do with stopping is uh, adapt that concept into uh, a Western life, a busy, challenging Western life. So anybody, anybody, literally anybody, I don't care how busy you are, can do still points because they just last a few seconds. No. In fact, when I used to do seminars quite regularly, I would do three, four, five still points during the seminar while I was actually addressing the audience. And they didn't realize it. Very briefly, turn my energy in, remember why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm an introvert, so seminars are sort of difficult for me. They tire me a lot. But when I did those still points, I, I reminded myself very quickly, why am I doing this? I know why I'm doing this because I think there's a tremendous value in it. Okay, then I'm back to saying whatever I was saying. And people don't even realize it. So anybody in any schedule can do still points. Then I hope you'll say, hey, this works. This is good. I come to the end of my day a little more relaxed, a little more aware of who I am and what I want. Maybe I'll try a stopover. And then your kids will say, what do you What do you mean you're going to go away for two hours? Or who's going to cook dinner for us? Or so, You'll get a lot of pushback, as you say. But if, if you enjoy it enough, you'll be able to deal with the pushback. And it is so valuable, even in incorporating those little moments where, I mean, I've uh, now that I have a name for it, now that I've read the book, it's funny because I've learned to use it where, you know, you take a breath where you, you would say something that, okay, should I really say this? Let me pause for three seconds. Maybe I shouldn't make okay. that comment, yes. you know, yes. and it can yes. stop you yes. from getting in trouble or, you know, should I hit send on this email? <laughs> and <laughs> after, after sending some flaming emails that I probably shouldn't have, I've learned yeah. to like, okay, if I'm angry, First of all, don't, you know, don't type, don't email. And then I'll wait, a, I'll wait a beat, you know, okay, let me wait. <sighs> okay, let me rephrase this. So I think it can also stop you from getting yourself in trouble in some situations. <laughs> exactly. Like, you brought up something very important in regard to how, how to uh, incorporate still points into your life. And that is find triggers, 
find moments in your life to which you can attach a still point. For example, as you said, every time you you uh, hit the send button on an email, stop, do a still point. Every time you hang up the phone, stop, do a still point. Every time you walk to the copy machine, every time you get in the car. It, in other words, find those moments in your life which are routine and regular and happen all the time at a red light, waiting in the grocery line, whatever it is, what a time to be still. Don't waste. Those are the moments in between, the moments in between the, the things that we do in our life. Those are the time for still points going from here to there. Waiting for something to happen. Why just waste that time? Turn your energy in. Be still. Be aware of your inner life. And then go back to life. So find triggers. Right. Triggers it can be so beneficial. Mm. And I think social media can be a big trigger. I mean, I had to incorporate a lot of those moments, you know, especially over that election cycle where I had to stop myself. Like, do I really want to engage? You know, do I really want yes, to I make do. that comment? Yes, I do. I know comment? exactly what you mean. You know, even though it might feel good, like, all right, take this. I've got the perfect comeback, you know, for you. And then I'll say, uh, and, I, and I've like, Broop, I've just deleted it a couple of times. Like, no, let me not. Let me not yes. do that. And the more times I stop myself from doing that, the less aggravation that I would have. So it's it's a great, it's a great tool. Well, I'm, I'm talking with David Koontz. We're going to come back in just a few minutes. The Art of Stopping. So just stop for exactly three minutes and 30 seconds, and then come back and join me for the show. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Thanks for joining me through the break. If you happen to be listening live, you could join us for a conversation, for a phone call here. If you wanted to join the conversation, 816-251-3555. If not, you may be catching this show later in the podcast, which is great too. I'm glad you could listen into the conversation here. I'm talking with David Kuntz about his book, The Art of Stopping, just such an important message for all of us to really think about, you know, integrate stopping into our lives when you might be thinking, what? That's crazy. I, you know, I, I stop. But do you really stop? <laughs> you know, do you really take those few minutes? And before the break, you know, we we're talking a little bit about, you know, how stopping is not exactly meditation. And what surprised me in the book, David, is that you said that you you weren't really a good meditator. And I thought, what? How is that possible? <laughs> but well, like a traditional yeah, meditation practice. I wasn't a good meditator, in, especially because I, I didn't do it. I, I wanted <laughs> to do it. I tried to do it, but it didn't stick. I couldn't. Uh, for some reason, I, it just was difficult for me to do. I know that's that's interesting. I've I've kind of had a love hate, you know, relationship with a, with like a traditional meditation practice for a long time, and then it was only until, you know, someone really worked worked with me, and I was able to get a technique that worked. And one of the first things that um, he taught me that the teacher I worked with, because I because I thought meditation meant you had to stop, you know, thinking that it failed if you had thoughts. And he oh, said, well, if you don't have thoughts, then you're dead. So that's not possible. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. oh, well, then the pressure's off, you know. So it was more like just trying to not dwell on on thoughts and things like that. But, yeah, sometimes meditation can be a challenge, you know, to, to get that going. But there's so many great points in the book. And one thing that struck talked about stopping, you say that stopping allows for and facilitates the truth. And I thought, wow, that's that's really you know, that's really powerful. And and is it because we often just don't want to look at, at those things and look at those truths? And it's yes. only in being still that we can recognize them. Exactly. That, that's the conviction behind stopping is that only with enough um, silence and attention and uh, lack of distraction that we can really access the wisdom that, that exists within us, the wisdom we're born with. Uh, otherwise, the distractions of the world take it away. And, you know, it used to be our grandparents or maybe mostly our great grandparents now uh, t 
times of stopping were built into their lives uh, much, much more than they are into ours. I can remember even as a child, my, I, going, I, I mentioned in the book, going with my grandfather out to his pig farm. He had a pig farm. And um, I would go out there with him and he would go about the place talking to the farmer and doing business and doing whatever he had to do. And what would I do? I'd do nothing. I'd just wander around the farm and I'd uh, kick the tire. You know, I'd, I, I wouldn't do anything, but I loved it. And those times are not part of our lives anymore. I feel I feel bad, for example, for kids. Kids are so programmed and so organized, and they go from class to this to that without any real time to, you know, kick the can or what, whatever the equivalent is today. Um, to have idle, quiet time in which to access their souls. You know, it's that sort of dated language, I know, but uh, I believe it's just as valid today as it's ever been to access our souls, to access our inner life. It's so important. And it and you say in the book as well that, you know, talking about access your soul, that stopping is essentially a spiritual practice. But what may prevent people from this is that word, right? Spirituality or. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a loaded word, word isn't it? But uh uh, and, and many people think we shouldn't use the word. John Kabat-Zinn is one of them, the, the brilliant meditator and uh, psychologist. Um, he doesn't use it. He, he uses the word mindfulness, but avoids the word spirituality. But the fact is, people use the word. It's a, it's a very used word. You see it a lot. So I decided I'm, I'm going to try to understand what it is. And what I call, I call it everyday spirituality. Everyday spirituality, it's something that is uh, dependent on the meanings and the values by which you live. That's your everyday spirituality. What are the meanings in your life? What are the values in your life? If, if you can name those, then, then you know what your spirituality is. You may be religious or non-religious. You may be a little bit religious. That doesn't make any difference. Everybody even somebody who proclaims to be an atheist has a spirituality because they have meanings and they have values by which they live. It's that everyday spirituality that all of us have. So that's how I get around the problem. No, that's great. And I like that making that differentiation, you know, because sometimes when you get into that debate of, you know, am I religious? Am I, am I spiritual? I just mm. think that, to me, like the, the religious part is more of the construct, the, the dogma, you know, like the things that I was taught, we we're talking a little bit during the break, and I told you I was brought up Catholic, and I had such great memories, and I was taught a lot of things, and some things, I mean, I think the, the main lessons have, have stuck, you know, do unto others, I think that applies to, mm -hmm. to everybody, but like some of the other like dogma and stuff like that, and scary things in hell, and like those things kind of can move away. So I don't know. I guess like the difference would be religion. Religion is something that's like a, a setup construct of rules and laws and things like that. Right. Yeah. And for some people, would that's you, great. Do you for, agree? You're a, you're a priest. You should know. <laughs> well, yes, I do. I totally agree with what you're saying. Yes. And, <laughs> and for some people, uh, a, a religious practice is very good and very helpful. And, and it's, it helps them to stop. It helps them. Uh, to do that. And when yes. religion does that, it's it's doing what it should do. It doesn't always do that, however. So so we have to be very, very discerning in how we are religious and how we practice our religion. And as we know, religion is very capable of evil. <laughs> We've had so yes. many examples of that. Um, so That's we have true. to be discerning. Again, stopping can help. So it's not at all anti-religious. It's just not dependent on a specific religious practice. It's compatible with all of them or none of them. That's that's the good thing about stopping. Yes, I love that. It's, it is compatible. We'll work with any uh, spiritual practice that you happen to have. It, it exactly. doesn't have to be attached, attached to anything. It's funny. I was just thinking of my brother-in-law who's um, a practicing uh, conservative a Jew, right? And the only, the main reason that he decided to become conservative was so that he would have to have a day off 
and and that no one could argue with him about it. Well, good for him. So he's yeah, and that's what made me think of it when you were saying to find things that work. And for him, that was it wasn't anything else. That was really the main thing that he could have a Sabbath. The Sabbath, you know that yeah that time from like Saturday night. If I remember correctly, you know, but that was important to him to be able to have that time built in automatically that, okay, it's it's the Sabbath and I'm not going to answer email. I'm not going to go on the phone and and that kind of thing. So when you say, you know, how that works, it is interesting. You know, I don't know if you remember, but I certainly remember as a kid, Sunday stores were closed. No one worked on. Well, that's not true now. That's for sure. Uh, So, yeah. uh, What happened to the Sabbath? There is no Sabbath for most of us. So good for him for, for, for making that choice. That's great. It's right, just that, right. you know, yeah, I talk, one of the things important. I talk about in the book is the mountain of too much. There's just too much in everyone's life. Things get added all the time. There's so, now there's social media and there's all these screens that we're looking at. And, and especially younger people, they're so attached to their screens. It's, it's, that's a concerning thing to me. I think we have to really uh, buckle down and deal with that issue because I think it's hurting our kids and we need to give them leisure time. Go, my, my, my mother used to say to us when we were kids, go outside and play. <laughs> you know, I don't know if parents right. say that to kids anymore, you know, because I don't know. Well, maybe they think so it's dangerous or, right. or what, but uh, yeah, go outside and play. And that's what we did. Right. Yeah. Disappear for a couple hours. I remember that. We used to love that. Exactly. Especially in the summertime, right? You know, you had the longer days. You could go out and and be a kid and play. Exactly. I love that. So I wanted to go back to to something, though, that we kind of glossed over this a little bit, but I think it's important when we we talked about your grinding halt. Mm -hmm. So I just want to revisit that for a minute because I think this happens in so many people's lives where – everything will change in, you know, very quickly. Like we all went through the the similar thing, you know, with the pandemic or if you have a death in the family or you lose your job, that kind of thing in your life, just like, you know, or it could be a health issue. You know, I mean, I've experienced that where, you know, my, my back went out and I, I couldn't, I couldn't go into the office and it actually turned out to be a wonderful thing. And you talk about that, about that in the book. Uh, but yes. it, I mean, it doesn't have to get to that point, right, where we're thrown into that situation. But when we are, and uh, how would you be able to, re, you know, to explain that, to reframe? Yeah, OK, well, there's, there's halt, lots you know? of ways to do a grinding halt, uh, which is a longer period of time of doing nothing as much as possible. And uh, the advantageous way of doing a grinding halt is intentionally to intentionally take a period of time and either go away or do something in which you can 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 be still. Uh, the unadvantageous uh, adv- time of doing a, a, a grinding halt is when you're forced to. In other words, you get sick, you have an accident. And that's that's the way most people have a grinding halt. But the problem is when you have a grinding halt because of sickness or accident, it isn't really a grinding halt. Because you're sick or you're hurting and your your energies need to be focused on getting well. They are focused on your pain or they're focused on your illness or they're focused on what's ever going on in your body. So it's not really an advantageous grinding halt. So do it before it does it to you is, is the maxim here. Do a grinding halt. And very often they are, as you say, around um, significant moments in life. Uh, you're, you're getting married or you're, you're getting divorced or you're moving or you get a new job or you lose a job. Some significant event in life. Very often that's when, when it happens. But it can happen anytime. Here's an example of a man. He, he was a former client of mine. And he was 80 years old, and he he lived alone. He's a, a widower, and he was missing his daughter in a, in a distant city, and she couldn't come to visit him. So he decided to go visit her. So he bought a bus ticket, a two-day bus ticket, and he got on the bus, and for two days, he sat on that bus and watched the world go by. And he said, it changed my life. He said, I didn't intend for it to. I didn't realize that it was going to. But it did, because what did I do? 
when I read about your your stopping and doing nothing, I realized that's what I was doing. I, I did absolutely nothing for two days. I couldn't do anything because I was on a bus. So it was a perfect example for him to say, okay, let's really prioritize. I'm 80 years old. I don't have much time to live. What's important for me? What isn't important for me? So that was a, a, a very happy uh, accidental grinding halt, so to speak. But if you can do it right. intentionally, that's the way you want to do it. Yes, before it happens to you. Before I remember a grinding halt um, that I experienced, but I, I learned a, a, a lot from this in, in a lot of ways. And it was when my mother passed away in 2007, and oh. she died on uh, November 1st. And so, you know, the holidays were coming up. And I basically, I, I'm here in California. My my family is all in Florida, and I told everybody, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything for the holidays. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna check out, you know. Mm. I'm, so I'm, don't, don't take it personally if you don't get a card or a gift or anything. Right. You know, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. And Good it was so you. interesting for that year, you know, to not. And it was liberating, you know, because while I was yeah. still grieving, you know, the loss of my mother, I, I didn't have to deal with the, the whole Christmas thing. <laughs> so I didn't yes, buy a gift. I, I didn't send a card. I didn't expect a gift. I didn't want to do anything to do with, with it, you know. And it also right. makes you realize, like, how much of that stuff you stress and worry about over the holidays, which is just ridiculous. You know, it spending is. money that you don't have and all of that. And it really didn't mean anything. Because what I really wanted was to still talk to my mother, you know, so just like you realize what what's really important. And it was um, it was just very, a very interesting, you know, holiday uh, that yes. year. Yes. And what, yeah, what you that, said is, is you realize what's important. There's the key. You realize what's important to you. And that that's what it's all about. That's what's that's yes. why I encourage stopping so that you know what is important to you. Mm. That's it. Right. And I didn't want to wait, you know, and and like in this in the story that you related about, you know, the man on the bus. I mean, I don't want to be in my 80s and and look right. back and say, why didn't I stop for that? You know, I, I, I think that that would be the most terrible thing to have those regrets. Oh, how sad it is to to awake one morning when you're too old. And it's cold morning, dawn, and you realize you missed it. You didn't do, be, or become what you really wanted to. Yeah, that's very sad. That's a very sad thing. It is. It's so scary. I don't want that to, I don't want that to ever happen. So good, I want good. to be then, able to. Then you probably won't. If you really don't want it to, then you probably won't <laughs> let it happen. So that's good. No, I, I want to be able to, you know, treasure those moments and 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 take a minute and, you know, I'm I'm just going to be more aware and and especially by reading the book, you know, and uh, while we have the last like ten minutes or so left, you know, I wanted to talk about some of the gifts because there are gifts in in doing this, and mm. you share these in the book and maybe we can unpack a, a couple of these, you know, like the gift that I learned from from just blowing off the holidays that year, you know, yes. that, I think that yes. was definitely a gift. Great. And another one, the, you know, paying the attention. Gifts I mentioned, yes. The, the one I think is the most important, the gift that we get when we stop is the gift of attention. And attention, mm -hmm. I think, is such an important part of our awareness. To what, to whom do we pay attention? Because attention, when you pay attention, you're giving yourself to something or someone. So to ask yourself, to whom and to what do I pay attention? The stopping helps you clarify that. And if you're, if you're attending something uh, with, with a good deal of time that is not important to you or that is, uh, is literally a waste of time, then that's something you need to know and stopping can help you there. It can help you understand to what and to whom do you pay attention. And then another right. gift and of stopping paying... is the, the oh, do you say something? Oh no, go ahead. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna share a little story with you about about that about paying attention. Well, do do. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> well, just like when you're so focused on paying attention to, you know, things that aren't important, you're going to miss, you know, the unexpected. And I just didn't, I was going to ask you if you'd ever heard about the invisible gorilla test. No, I don't Did know that. Hear about that? <laughs> no. Well, it's a, it's a, a social experiment and it was a video that was done by these uh, two cognitive psychologists called uh -huh. the Invisible Gorilla Test. So they had volunteers watching a video where there were two groups of people, some dressed in white and some in black, and they were passing basketballs around. And so they asked the volunteers to count the passes among the players dressed in white and then ignore the people in black. Like they had to watch this video and focus on it, you know, uh -huh. very intently. Well, somewhere, sometime in the video, someone would walk through in a gorilla suit and it was so it was so amazing that people were so focused so hard on one thing that they became blind to the unexpected. They and missed it. The majority of the people didn't see the gorilla suit. They didn't see the guy oh, in the gorilla suit. What an interesting experiment. Yeah, you can see the video. It's online if if you're curious. But when I was reading the book, it made me think about that that exercise that I had read about. I'm like yeah, you know, if you're paying attention to the wrong thing, you're so wrapped up and you're going to miss the unexpected. Yeah, the the, the spontaneous. Absolutely. Yeah, I, lo I love that example. Thank you. Yeah. Another, another so gift of, of, of uh, benefit of stopping is the, the gift of relaxation. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced that many of us uh, know very, very few moments of true relaxation, of real leisure. Leisure is something we don't get anymore just think of it when is a leisure time in your life real leisure time in which there's nothing planned you can just sort of be and do what you want and people especially like you think of people who are caretakers or who are dealing with a, a, a chronic illness in themselves or in someone else they have very few moments of relaxation stopping can bring you into relaxation so true. I need to relax. Actually, af after this show, I'm going to take a relaxing walk. <laughs> and I'll try to be open to, there's you know, be attentive a, a and, and to notice a perfect things. still point. Take a walk around the block. Exactly. Yeah, we need it. We definitely need to relax more in in this day and age and uh, and take some time off. And also to be you know, be attentive. And you write about this in the book. And, and this is something I always try, I try to do. Like when I'm walking, I'll look, oh, look at the color of that flower. Wow, that's just an amazing purple. You know, I, I really want to be able to notice those notice. kinds of that's things. Notice, that's an important word for stopping, noticing. Yes, thank you. Be the noticer. You know, another thing I want to bring up just quickly is, um, um, is uh, metabolism. Some people find it more difficult to do nothing and to be still than other people. And I'm convinced that th the reason for that is a difference in metabolism. Some people are just more jumpy. They just can't sit still. I think we, we all know people like that who just have to keep, keep moving. So one of the things I encourage people to do if, if you're that kind of person is to stop while moving. In other words, you can do what I call pacing. <clears throat> to take a determined route, maybe just around your room or outside in a park, some um, predetermined route that you can follow, just walk and just walk in a circle, walk in a circle so you don't have to worry about where you're going and you can be still. Or uh, I'm sure you've heard of the labyrinth. Uh, the, yes. the It's a big pattern on the ground. It began in Chartres, in the cathedral in Chartres in France, and um, it's a spiritual practice where you, you start on the outside of the circle, and it's a predetermined path that goes all around and in and out and brings you to the center of the circle. But you don't have to worry about where you're going because you're on the path. So that's also a very effective way to do stopping. You can be moving. As long as the moving, you don't have to pay much attention to it. It's just sort of automatic. And that can help a lot of people who, who find themselves having a very high metabolism. Yeah, that's so great. You know, I'd love to see that labyrinth in France. And actually at Unity Village in Missouri, they have a beautiful labyrinth there. Well, I'm sure, I yeah. That's great. I love them. And uh, it's 
such a great it's such a great tool and just you know as we're as we're getting closer to the end of our time today it's it's been so wonderful to talk with you but i just wanted to also let people know that you know as you're working through trying to implement some of these things in your life and then think about it you know think about times that you can stop but you also mentioned in the book that there sometimes you might need help to do mm. that to be able to stop, you know, and as a, as a therapist, I mean, I'm sure you've talked to so many people and I mean, when, when you're not sure, like I need help when, I guess when you're asking yourself, I need help is when you need help. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Do I need help? Well, probably answer that. Yes. And, and, and try it out. Yeah. Yeah. And find a, find a therapist, a counselor or a trained clergy person who can help you through a particular problem. That's, that's a great, great thing to do. I've done it. Many people have done it, and it's it's. Uh, I encourage it strongly. I think it's wonderful to have someone to talk to. Um, I think everybody should try therapy, or you know, a, a therapist, or or clinical social worker, or clergy, if if they have a chance to do that. But it's funny where I've talked to some, to some people and I've said, hey, you really should talk to someone about this. And mm -hmm. there's so much resistance, like there is a weakness in asking it's for help. It's there, isn't it? Yeah, there's that stigma. Yes. It's it, it just, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's stubborn. It's too bad because it shouldn't be there. There's no reason for it. What, what, what's, what's better than talking to somebody about what's going on in your life, you know? It's so important. I don't think there's anything better. <laughs> really, I love to really. do that. Yes, because now somebody else shares it. And especially when it's a safe and, and competent uh, situation, it can be immensely helpful. Yes. And I think it's so helpful when it's not a family member or a friend. It's right. someone that doesn't know you personally like that. Exactly. It helps you really be more honest and not hold back. Exactly. And, of course, one of the greatest helps to stopping is going into nature uh, as much as you possibly can, even if it's the park down the street. Surround yourself with nature. It encourages stopping. It encourages stillness. Yes. I mean, wherever you can go, if you're not near the beach or the ocean or something like that, you know, find a park. Like I have my little favorite one that I go to. It's not that big, but there's trees, you know, somewhere exactly. that you can. It doesn't be. have to be big. It can be just any place that that's good for you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, I've learned so much from the book and I, I really hope people will you know, stop and, and take a minute and, and realize how important that is to have these moments in our life. And, and your book is such a great reminder. And I don't know if you still see people or, or talk to them, um, you know, as a therapist, but can people reach you through your website? Is that the best place? Yes, My website is uh, stopping, just go to stopping.com. And uh, no, I'm, I'm retired. I'm not, I don't have a practice anymore. So uh, nor don't do seminars. I'm retired. Oh, good for you. See, you've stopped. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I love, love that. I love retirement. Yes. Oh, I want to be in that space, too. You David will. Kuntz, you will. The Art of Stopping. The book is available right now. Pick it up at Amazon or your local bookstore. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.